0: Well, good morning and welcome back to the live stream. My name is Darren Pesnell and I serve as pastor at the Ironworks Church here in Phoenixville. And I'm honored to welcome you all, uh, whether you're tuning in uh, as a member or tender of one of our churches or you're visiting us from somewhere else, we are truly honored to have you. I want to recognize also that perhaps some of you are tuning in uh, who do not profess Christian faith, you're curious, you're interested in what goes on in a church, and this is a great opportunity to learn some more about that. I want you to know that it is the mission of our churches to be a place where you feel welcomed, where you are shown hospitality, but also where you are challenged by the truth of Christian faith. And so that is our goal today, and and to that end we hope that uh, we are successful in that. We want to invite all of you uh, who are not presently connected to one of the churches to take a step towards doing that. We have this new texting service. You'll see uh, the number on the screen, and you can text um, the word CONNECT to either of those numbers. They go to the respective churches. And uh, it's just a thank you for doing that. We'd like to uh, buy you a cup of coffee. You'll be getting a gift card uh, from a coffee shop either in Phoenixville or Westchester just as a, a word of thanks for taking a step to CONNECT. Well, at this time, we want to introduce to you something that uh, up in Phoenixville we've been doing on a yearly basis, and that is supporting the ministry of Young Lives. Young Lives is a ministry that seeks to come alongside single mothers uh, in this very difficult calling that they have in front of them of raising kids um, while doing it alone. And we've been honored to support this ministry uh, for several years now, and we're going to introduce this program uh, by way of a video at this time.
1: with Coltsville Young Life Leaders for reaching out to me. Even though we cannot meet in person, they keep checking on me and my family, making sure we're doing fine. Hello, my name is Marissa Da Silva, and I'm the Area Director for Young Lives in Chester County. As you just saw, Young Lives is still finding ways to walk alongside teen moms, despite these tough conditions and times. Typically in the spring, we would run an event called the Baby Bottle Campaign. We would ask people to take baby bottles and fill them with change and bring them back to us. Well, we aren't leaving the house much right now, and so we thought we'd still like to give you an opportunity to participate. So what you can do is look around and find all that change, add it all up, and make a donation to the link below. As a point of reference, a typical baby bottle can hold anywhere from $15 to $20 worth of change. After you're done and you've made the donation, know that you are helping support young moms across Chester County and helping us to share Christ's love with them. Thank you so much for your help.
0: Well, at this time, uh, I would like to turn our attention to the scriptures with you. Uh, I'll be reading from the first chapter of Joshua Uh beginning in verse one, and I'm going to end my reading uh, in verse nine, though I have the entire chapter uh, referenced for you uh, as a reference. Uh, Would you listen now with open ears as I read these words from the book that we love? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy God, we come uh, before you and we sit under these words. And Lord, I recognize that as we do, that we come from all kinds of different places. Lord, some of us come here and uh, we are in a season where, uh, despite the, the worldwide circumstances, that things are relatively good. Uh, some of us uh, come here this morning, and we have joy in our hearts. Uh, we have celebration uh, in our families, uh, and we're, we're thankful. Lord, I recognize that others of us come here, and some of us uh, have tuned in this morning, and things are not well. Things are not right. For some of us, uh, today is a season of grief, of sadness. Uh, for others, it's a season of disappointment, of loss. Lord, I recognize that Perhaps some of us are tuning in this morning, and and truth be told, we're a complete mess. And Lord, I recognize further that some of us come here this morning, and we come full of faith in you. Uh, We believe in you. Others of us come here, and we have all kinds of doubts swirling around in our head about you. Lord, I recognize uh, today we are thankful for uh, the mothers in our lives. We're thankful for uh, your grace that is extended through them to us. But Lord, we also remember those uh, who are grieving because they are not mothers, because they have lost children, um, because they are dealing with infertility, uh, they are dealing with brokenness, sadness. Lord, our hearts go out to Wanda Jones, uh, Ahmed Aubrey's mother, uh, and the loss that she has experienced. Lord, our hearts go out to all mothers who uh, are grieving, who, who have fear for their children, And Lord, our world in in many ways is very broken uh, this morning, and we stand here in profound need of your healing and your grace and your justice. And Lord, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in this morning, whether we are here uh, celebrating or we are here um, in complete despair, whether we come here with faith or with much doubt, pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we all come ultimately the same with an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, and to be changed by you. Open our eyes, I pray. Give us grace uh, to see that you have met this need in the person and work of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and uh, welcome again. Uh, It's great to spend this time with you here in the scriptures. I greeted my wife this morning. Um, She had just woken up, and I uh, looked her right in the eyes, and I said, sweetheart, I am just praying for you today that God would give you the absolute best day of quarantine you've ever had. And <laughs> that kind of sums up, I think, where uh, where a lot of us are. Uh, we are. We are hoping for the best day of quarantine yet, perhaps. Um, but I want to introduce to you what we're going to be doing here today. Uh, it is the tradition that I have here uh, in Phoenixville that We typically begin our Old Testament sermon series just after Easter. It was a little delayed this year due to the uh, events we find ourselves in. But I've been planning this sermon series uh, since, I I think, a little bit before January. And I want to tell you a little bit about it. The sermon series is going to contain excerpts from the Old Testament books of Joshua and Judges. I will be taking passages from the book of Joshua, and then Pastor Sam is going to be covering passages from the book of Judges. And we're calling this sermon series, Finding Courage in Times of Crisis. Finding Courage in Times of Crisis. And as we were praying and discussing uh, back in January about uh, where it is that God may be leading us, we did not have any idea uh, to what extent uh, the relevance of this sermon series would be uh, given the events that we find ourselves in today. And I want to tell you that just as an introductory preface, that I have a pastoral concern for you and the way that you are currently relating to your fears. Right? This, uh, this is where this is born out of. Right. I have a pastoral concern for you and the way that you are interacting, responding with, processing, and handling the things that you fear, right? And the this idea of courage, uh, courage actually comes from a French word that comes from a Latin word, and uh, the idea of core, c o r core, uh, is the idea of the heart. And so, courage as a concept is a reality. That happens in the heart of a person. Uh, One one dictionary describes it as this, uh, the ability to do something that frightens one. Or another definition is strength in the face of pain or grief. But at the very heart of it, courage is the way that you interact with things that cause you to be afraid. It's how you respond to fear. And I have a pastoral concern because, to a certain extent, a lot of what uh, I do in my work here at this church is I interact with folks who are finding themselves dealing with things that frighten them, right, and they don't know which way to go. I also want to point out that as you enter periods of greater crisis, whether it be a personal crisis or in our present day a more worldwide crisis, that the need for courage dramatically increases, right? The greater the crisis, the greater the need for courage. And uh, as I was reflecting on it, I thought of all these various areas in our lives that the presence of courage can make or break. So for example, if you're parenting kids, right, and you have to make very tough decisions as to how to um, how to discipline, how to respond, how to uh, care for them, how to help them process things that they're thinking. You feel a weight that cannot be described in certain seasons. And, and the decisions you make, you know, could have a lifelong effect on how they relate to you, how they relate to God. And if you cower in fear in those moments, right, you, you can make lifelong impacts on them that you will regret. And so in a very real sense, I think that parenting especially, courage is an absolutely precious resource. But what about in your work, right? What about in your work? Uh, As you are confronted with questions and challenges at work, uh, the presence of courage, again, can make an absolutely uh, significant shift in the outcome of what you're doing. Uh, Becky and I, uh, many years ago, We attended an absolutely fascinating conference on worship by a group of folks called Bifrost. And as a part of this uh, seminar, this conference, we attended this breakout session where there was a sociologist uh, who did a lot of work in in urban settings of New York City, and they had studied uh, people who grew up to take entrepreneurial risk in life, right? Who would take risk to start businesses, many of which were incredibly successful, And they looked at the childhood of these kids and they were able to discover a significant link between taking entrepreneurial risk that's necessary to start businesses, for example, or start nonprofits, things like that, and the degree to which the kids learned courage in their youth, right? If you learned courage in your youth, if you were encouraged uh, to take risks, you were far more likely to be willing to go through entrepreneurial resi- uh, pursuits, than if you were constantly criticized. For example, if you were if you were uh, taught that the thing that needs to matter the most is is not taking risks is being safe is letting fear rule. For example, right. But what about also our Christian mission? Uh, and this I think is probably where I feel this the most is in our Christian mission. So, for example, recently. Uh, up here in Phoenixville, we conducted a number of um, Bible discussions for folks who don't believe as we do, and what I found is that um, a number of you invited your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors to attend these meetings, and, and they did. Largely, those who invited folks found that uh, they, they said yes. They came out, and we had an absolutely fantastic time looking at uh, materials by Tim Keller but what I also found is that a lot of you were afraid, right? You were afraid to take the risk of saying to someone who's not a Christian, look, I am a Christian, and, you know, maybe you're interested in this, maybe not, but we, you know, we're going to be doing this discussion. I found that there was a profound amount of fear uh, that is present in our reality. And so I have this concern for us, for you, wherever, whatever place you find yourself in today, do you have a greater resource of courage than you presently do? This passage that's before us today uh, is profoundly helpful in this regard, uh, as as is the entire book, in my opinion. But this passage before us today is largely centered around this concept of the precious resource that is courage. And I want to just get into it with you, look at it briefly with you together. I'm not going to go Uh, very long. We want to look at it under these three headings, the necessity of courage, the source of courage, and then I want to have a brief reflection on the courage of Christ. So let's look at it together. The necessity of courage, the source of courage, and then the courage of Christ. All right, first of all, the necessity of courage. Uh, One of the tools that I use in studying a passage, if I'm preparing for a sermon or I'm leading a discussion of any sort, One of the tools that I use is the tool of repetition. When authors repeat themselves, it's usually indicative of the fact that they are trying to communicate something that is of the highest importance in in, in their uh, writings here. And this word courage comes up uh, with overwhelming repetition in this exhortation. And it comes up in a way that presents courage, specifically God is speaking to Joshua, right, as the absolute necessity, if he is going, to fulfill the mission that God has given him. It's an overwhelming repetition in verse 6, verse 7, verse 9, verse 18, that he says, you must be strong and courageous if you are going to fulfill this mission. Now, what's happening here is that there is a leadership transition, Right, so uh, God had been leading his people out of Egypt through the leadership of a man named Moses. And Moses was, by all accounts, a celebrity and a superstar. It still is to this day. Right, when you read the New Testament and you read Jesus interacting with folks of his day, you know, Moses gets a lot of play. Joshua actually doesn't get that much. But Moses gets a lot of play. He was the creme de la creme. He was uh, a leader's leader. And I'll tell you, one of the interesting uh, studies that I've had about organizations and leading something like a church or a business, one of the things that I've been interested in is not a business or a church that simply is successful you know, for a while, but what's really interesting to me is when you watch a business or a church or an organization or a movement that is able to remain successful after the transition of its senior leadership— right? That is pretty rare to see that happens. Oftentimes, you see something that's successful, but then when it comes time for that transition, the success often stops at that point, right? But it's a whole other class of leadership when you can see something move beyond its leader, and that's what Joshua is faced with here, right? Moses has been an absolute superstar, and yet, by, from a significant standpoint, Moses has actually not succeeded in his mission. Right? Moses was uh, a, was and is a superstar of leaders. You know, as he leads Israel out through the plagues, as he leads them through the wilderness. Right? He he has talked about all the all over the place in the New Testament, remembered very fondly, and yet he was not successful in his mission of bringing the people of Israel into the Promised Land. He had to remain outside. And so God is speaking to Joshua, who's about to step into these shoes. How would you like to do that? How would you like to assume a position after a man like Moses? He's about to step into these shoes. He's about to fill these massive shoes. And God sits him down for a talk and says, Joshua, listen, I am giving you this mission. And this is what it will take for you to be successful. And the overwhelming emphasis that comes up in this passage uh, are the words strength and courage, right? The absolute necessity. Now, I want to make um, a comment about the difference between courage and faith. It's a question that I had reading uh, this passage, and perhaps it's a, it's a question you have. Or another, another side of it is, what's the difference between courage and arrogance, Right? What's the difference between being courageous and simply being a fool, being an arrogant fool? What, what are the differences between that? Well, uh, I want to address the first one here, beginning in um, verse three. You see, in this passage, the idea of courage is not simply, you know, throw caution to the wind, but instead, what God is saying to Joshua, he's saying, I want you to have a greater trust in my promises than than the fear has in pushing you to cower and to pull back. I want you to have a greater force, a greater push, a greater rock in my promises than the the pressure of fear as you face people that are stronger than yourself, right? So, for example, verse 3, he says, he gives these promises, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised, there's that word, to Moses. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then one of the most precious sentences in in all of Scripture that I love, I will not leave you or forsake you. And then verse 9 again, these are just a sampling by the way, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so what God is saying to to Joshua is, I want you to learn to take action on the basis of believing my promises more than you would be inclined to take action on the basis of fear, right? And, And that's the biblical idea of courage. It's courage that doesn't simply throw caution to the wind, but it's courage that results from a faith in the actual promises of God right so that leads us into this question of the source of courage where does courage come from we've talked a little bit about what it is why it's necessary what about the source of it well what we're saying here is that courage right in contrast with foolishness or arrogance right arrogance is in believing things that are not rational about yourself because you have an overinflated uh perspective on your own abilities right that would be arrogance courage recognizes your inability but it recognizes God's power in a way that is decisive in the action that you will take. Right? That's what biblical courage is. And courage, um, from, from the Bible's perspective, cannot be separated from his promises. Right? So it's absolutely dependent upon his promises. It's absolutely dependent on walking in confidence on the basis of what he says. And therefore, the source of courage to an absolutely decisive extent finds its source, its origin, its power in his word, right? It finds its source, its power in his word. And we see that most plainly stated in verse eight. If, you have a, if you're looking along in your, in your Bibles, I'd love for you to look uh, at verse eight. This is what God says to Joshua. He says, this book of the law... Shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You see, what, what God is saying to Joshua, He's saying, The absolute the resource that I've given you as you move forward, the power that I want you to find is vested in my word, right? And notice in verse 8, it says this. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, right? It assumes it was already present. You know, I want to just commend, I I really appreciate, I really love uh, the work of Drew and Stephanie Guess. Uh, They are our junior high youth leaders up here in Phoenixville, uh, and they are finding ways to incentivize kids to memorizing scripture, The big part of what they're doing is they're um, working with kids, they've got these prizes, they're working out uh, ways to help kids memorize Scripture. And what they're doing is they're actually teaching the principle of this passage, right? That that Scripture should not depart from your mouth. It it assumes it was there in the first place. Um, In the time of Joshua, it's important to note that uh, this people was largely not literate. Right? If you were specifically trained, you'd be able to read, but uh, a lot of folks growing up in this community would not read, and so the only way they would know the Scriptures is by word of mouth, is by memorization, is by hearing these stories over and over and over and over and over again. And what God is saying to Joshua here is for us to take steps to have a greater connection with the Scriptures than we presently do. You know, we find ourselves in a time, I think, of, uh, to, to, a, to a certain extent, in, in the time of the church in the New Testament, almost an unprecedented um, unawareness of simply the content of the Bible. Right? We find ourselves in a time where um, more and more of us, more and more of our kids are growing up and we just simply do not know. A lot about the Bible. It's, it's, lost, um, it's lost its relevance in our lives. It's lost its place in our lives. And this passage, though, tells us, it says, if you're going to find courage, right, if you're going to move forward as a leader, right, making decisions that go against the things that you fear, to a significant extent, you must reconnect with the Scriptures. They must not depart from your mouth. You must have a reconnection with them. And it uses this word, meditate, right? Memorize, meditate, chew on, consider. And just as a pastoral word, I want to just speak to those of you who um, find yourselves in a very dry period in your, in your life from a spiritual perspective. Perhaps you haven't read the Bible in weeks or months or some even years, uh, perhaps for you, it simply feels like um, an activity of guilt—that uh, you know, an obligation that you have to check off the list. And I want to speak to you and say, you know, part of part of this is—and to hear my heart and to hear the heart of the Scriptures. What you need to understand is that, you know, I have absolutely no interest in making you feel guilty at all about any of these things, right? My heart for you is for your joy, for your strength. And for God to do something absolutely explosive in your life. That's, that's what I want. I don't want... I, I have, if you walk away from this sermon and you say, you know, I feel guilty because I haven't been reading my Bible. So I'm just going to do a better job. You know, I, I will have absolutely no pleasure in that. I will have absolutely no delight in that at all. Right? But instead, if you were to read this passage and to say, you know, I long to have what God was promising to Joshua. I long to be able to walk more confidently through difficult situations. I long to be able to speak more openly about Christ to folks in my life. I long to be able to uh, be a better parent as I have to make tough decisions and would like to have more confidence in these things. What I would plead with you is to say, take God at his word. Take him at his word, that the presence of his word in the heart, right? Remember that word core? In the heart, in the core of who you are, the presence of his word will do something spectacular. It will bless you. It will benefit you. It will do what he's promised. And just as a, as a practical suggestion, if you're in this place where you haven't read your Bible regularly in some time, start by just turning to the Psalms and reading one Psalm a day. Right? We, I, we, we sometimes think that quantity is everything, and actually in the Bible, it's really not. And you'll see that here. Uh, there's no reference to quantity here, and instead, the word used is "meditate on it." Meditate on the scripture." That communicates something of a slowness, something of a simmer. Right? Read something that you can think about throughout the day that you can bring to bear on the challenges that you face. Pick one thing. Maybe it's, you know, honestly, I would be happy, uh, for those of you in this place, if you would read one sentence one verse. It doesn't have to be a lot, right? Start with one psalm a day. Another idea is to download the YouVersion Bible app or another Bible app and start a reading program. Those are very good. Uh, you could start with a chapter from the New Testament. Um, and then lastly, if you're into memorization, uh, I, I recommend frequently for folks that you memorize the eighth chapter of Romans, my favorite chapter in all of the Holy Scripture. And lastly, another... Uh, another consideration for you perhaps is to take a break for something in order to make room for this in your life, right? So perhaps you might take a break from social media and say, you know, I'm going to turn off uh, my news feed and to give more time to this practice, right? You could could consider doing that. And so for Joshua, the source of this resource that uh, God said is absolutely necessary if you're going to move forward, the source of it is directly tied to the Word of God. And lastly, I want to just very briefly consider a brief reflection on how this played out in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right, Whenever you see Jesus Christ, we, we know that He was absolutely perfect, absolutely righteous. He followed God wholeheartedly. There was no sin ever found in Him. There was no deceit found on His mouth. Uh, And this was true absolutely in every sense of the word in this teaching that is before us today. And you can see him as a model for what I'm talking about. For example, uh, as he goes through the wilderness, having fasted for 40 days, and he is assaulted by demonic forces, he is assaulted by Satan himself, what do you see him doing? He is clinging to the promises of God at every turn. He is hearing... He is hearing the words of the devil. He is hearing the accusations of Satan. And in every single instance, his response is the product of a meditation on scripture. It's interesting, in one of those meditations, the devil himself will attempt to use scripture against him. Right? He'll say, Has, have you not heard that you can you know, jump off this temple and the angels will bear you up? And why don't you test that? But what Jesus responds with, as he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's saying, you you don't actually understand the heart of Scripture, but I do, because it has been dwelling in my soul, right? It's one of the products of meditation is that you actually begin to learn the heart of God through the Scriptures, and and those who would twist them uh, for you will have no success. Jesus then departs uh, from the wilderness, um, and he uses his time split between teaching daily and healing. Of course, it is his teaching and his preaching that uh, will get him into trouble. It is his teaching that will prove to be most costly to him. It is his teaching that will result in him being unjustly tried, unjustly executed. And friends, when we look at him go through these times, we see all the way up to that moment where he breathes his last as his hands and feet have been affixed to this cross, as he hangs there absolutely humiliated, as the life is departing from his body, as God the Father is turning his face away, what do we see in him? His last words are a quotation of Holy Scripture. His last words are a reflection of Of the Psalms. And friends, what we understand is that the Lord Jesus uh, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not allow the fear of what he knew would happen to him to hold him back, but he walked courageously in his mission. He went to the cross knowing exactly what would happen. He did not take it lightly, as as you see him in the garden pleading that the Father would remove the cup from him. Right, as you see him sweat in profound anxiety, experiencing all the fears that are present with you and me, and yet walking forward in courage, and then yet he's met with God turning his face away. What's going on in that? Well, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ tells us that our Lord Jesus Christ walked absolutely faithfully, absolutely perfect, absolutely righteous, and yet was met with God's judgment. So that you and I can have the promise of this passage that is before us, where God looks you right in the eye and he says, I will never leave you. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what diagnosis you receive, no matter what happens with your job, no matter what happens with your kids, no matter what happens with your hopes and dreams, right? No matter what happens in your bodies, no matter what happens in your relationships, no matter what happens in your friendships. I will never leave you. I will never turn away from you. And he gives us those promises, not because we deserve them, but because our Lord Jesus Christ lived the life that we should have lived and he died the death that we should have died. And therefore his courage is counted to you. Right? When he looks at you, he looks at Jesus Christ. And so, uh, as we consider where we are today, where we find ourselves, I want to just exhort you, uh, as I exhort myself, to let us reconnect with the heart of our God through the Scriptures. Let us find the courage that Joshua had. Let us find the courage that Jesus Christ himself had. And let us move forward in that on mission for what God has called us to. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I praise you. Uh, We adore you, Holy Spirit, and we pray that you would pour out grace upon uh, our congregations, upon our towns. Lord, I pray that you would raise us up uh, with a powerful presence of your word in our souls. Lord, I pray for, especially for those who find themselves fearful today or feeling guilt and shame today, I pray that the courage of Christ would be a balm for their souls. Lord, I pray uh, for those who are falsely arrogant, Lord, I pray that you would replace that arrogance with a trust in you, not in ourselves, with a confidence in Christ, not in ourselves. And Lord, for those who are considering the claims of Christian faith, I pray that you would bring to them this day uh, the evidence for the truthfulness of the things uh, spoken in your word, But more than that, I pray that you would show them your power through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.